0: MSW Media
1: with swearing.
2: Dear the beans, dear beans, dear beans, dear beans.
0: Hello and welcome to the Daily Beans for Friday, April 16th, 2021. Today, the U.S. Treasury admits for the first time that Manafort handed off Trump polling data to Konstantin Kalimnik. Jim Jordan clashes with Dr. Fauci again and Maxine Waters has something to say about it. There are now receipts that Greenberg made hundreds of payments to women and girls, including a 17-year-old. Florida passes an anti-trans bill that would allow for genital checks of high school athletes. The U.S. hits Russia with sanctions over the SolarWinds hack and 2020 election interference. The defense rests in the Derek Chauvin trial. And the CEO of Pfizer says a third booster may be needed before 12 months. I'm A.G.
1: And I'm Dana Goldberg.
0: Uh, I know you were all expecting Amy Carrero today, but she is filming a movie because she's fancy. She's fancy and no one likes a bragger. She's (laughs) fancy, fancy. And she even sent me some wonderful photos of her and Diane Keaton on set. Oh my God, that's awesome. And uh, the makeup is incredible. I got to see some cool stuff. So I'm excited for this, uh, but I'm also sad that she's not here. However... I'm very happy that you are here, Dana. Thank you for filling in.
1: My pleasure. That's what I do now. (laughs) If you need days (laughs) off, I'm here. If Amy needs days off, I'm here. Hey, uh, Anka, any of our (laughs) our regulars that listen, (laughs) if you need a day off, just send me an email. I'll cover your shift, whatever it is. (laughs) Whatever it is. I gotcha.
0: Uh, and um today we have so much news so so many headlines i'm also going to talk a little bit uh later in the show about the Kristen smart case which amazingly they've made arrests in she went she went missing in 1996 yeah uh and they have found her murderer um and it's who they has, have sus- suspected for the last 25 years. Really incredible story. Also be talking about Russia a little bit later in the show. Haha, I, It wasn't a hoax. Um, <laughs> Look at that. We knew. We knew that. And uh, thanks for everyone who joined us on Stereo Thursdays at uh, 5 Pacific, 8 Eastern. And then I show up with Andrew Torres on Tuesdays at 5 Pacific, 8 Eastern. Always a really fun time. So thank you for that. Now, we do have a lot of news to get to. Let's do it. Let's hit the hot notes. Hot notes. All right, lead story today, none other than Jim Jordan and the nation's top infectious disease expert, Dr. Anthony Fauci got into a heated exchange Thursday over the country's COVID-19 mitigation measures, which ended up with Democratic Representative Maxine Waters (laughs) telling Jordan (laughs) to shut your
1: mouth. He was beautiful.
0: (laughs) I know. Shut your mouth. We're talking about Max. We can dig it. Now, during a House subcommittee hearing about the federal government's response to the pandemic, Jordan, an Ohio idiot, asked Fauci when the nation can begin relaxing physical distancing measures and mask wearing. He wasn't wearing a mask, by the way. No, he was, but not but not over his nose. He
1: was, but it was slipping right off his nose a lot of the time.
0: Yeah, and he, you can tell he just hates it. Oh, yeah. Um, but he posed it as a question as to when Americans will regain their freedom and liberties. That's how he put it. When do we get our liberties back, our First Amendment freedoms? Fauci, uh, a reasonable person who's intelligent, the director of the National Institute of Allergy and Infectious Disease, kind of an expert, actually the top expert in the world, Indeed. started to respond that the time will be when the United States has more Americans vaccinated and has a level of COVID infection that is low enough that it's no longer a threat. Real simple, real easy, right? But Jim Jordan wanted a day or a number or, you know, he was just, when do we get our liberties back? Let's, let's listen to this clip. It's pretty incredible.
2: What measures have to be attained before yeah. Americans get their First Amendment liberties back? I just told you that. No, I you haven't given anything specific. You said, we hope when this—tell me specifically. Right, now, right now, we have about 60,000 infections a day, which is a very large risk for a surge. We're not talking about liberties. We're talking about a pandemic that has killed 560,000 Americans. I, and I That's get that, what we're doc, talking about. And I don't disagree with that. And I understand how serious that is. But I also stand it's pretty serious when businesses have been shut down. People can't go to church. People can't assemble in their own homes with their friends, with their families. People can't go to a loved one's funeral. People can't get to their government petition their representative to redress their grievances. Right. I also understand the First amendment's pretty darn important. And it's been a year. And I want to know when right. Americans will get those First Amendment liberties right. back. You just said people cannot assemble in their own homes. They can. That is a CDC recommendation for vaccination. Not last fall they couldn't. I didn't hear Not last fall they couldn't. I I didn't hear what he said. The gentleman's time has expired. I will give you one instance of when we can get our liberties back. It is when 90 percent the members I, of the United States Congress get vaccinated. Well I want to know if that's what Dr. Fauci is. it ninety percent, Dr. I'm, Fauci? Is it ninety percent? That's what I'm that, that's what I'd like to know. Give me some give us some objective standards versus when certain things get reached, we might be able to get back to having our liberty. When? What are the numbers? You're going to see a gradual uh, from the right now, we're at an unacceptably high level. We're at, on a daily basis, it's unacceptably high. Regardless of who you are, what you're going to see as more and more people get vaccinated and we get over 3 million people a day, you're going to see the level of infection come down and down, and gradually there will be more flexibility for doing the things that you're talking Where about. Where does it get to? When it comes down, what number do we get our liberties back? Tell me the number. Tell
1: when me the n- number.
2: When 90 percent of the members of Congress get vaccinated. But you're not a doctor, Mr. Clyburn. He is. What is the number? I can't. Thank give you for recognizing me, Mr. Clyburn. Thank the chair you. now recognizes uh, for five I'd minutes. I'd like my question answered. I do Claiming my time. claim qu- my Regular time. order. Regular order. No, just the, a, a moment, Mr. 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 Chairman. Mr. Chairman, I don't want you to answer my question. The American people want Dr. Fauci to answer the well, question. But what does it have expires, to be? My time expires, sir. If you need to respect the chair and oh, shut oh, your mouth.
1: Wow. So what a baby. Oh, my God. Even the um, is, I almost said foreman and that's not what they call them in the Congress. Um, Who's leading the session? Help me. The chair. Thank you. Yeah. Was like, Clyburn. at least I mean, he was even trying to like when 90% of Congress gets vaccinated and Jim's <laughs> like, I want to hear it from him. And, and Fauci's like, I can't give you a fucking number. Shut up. Yeah. Like we uh. have 62,000
0: new cases a day when it's not that when it's lower than that. Now, just sh- sh- stop. Just Stop. God, she's amazing. Uh, Now, later in the hearing, Jordan asked Fauci the same questions again and griped whether Americans would be wearing masks for two years from now. Fauci told the congressman he was ranting. Stop your ranting. (laughs) Thursday's hearing was to examine the Biden administration's progress on vaccines with the CDC director, Dr. Rochelle Walensky, and the chief science officer of the COVID-19 response, Dr. David Kessler. Who were also witnesses, and what struck me from that clip was when Jim Jordan specifically said, "For a year, people haven't been able to petition their government and air their grievances, huh. uh, because we haven't had any protests this past year." Can you think of any protests we've had in the past year? Um, I can't. Maybe put something my finger in early
1: January.
0: Yeah, there was that. We had some stuff happen last summer. I'm not, I just, I can't remember. I just can't remember. But yeah, for a year now, people haven't been able to show up to the Capitol and air their grievances about their government. Like, were you here? Were you here on January? Actually, I know you were there. So
1: I mean, the things that come out of their mouths. um, I'm not happy with Republicans in general uh, this week. Uh, If I may, this next story is actually infuriating and a little grotesque on many levels, and we'll get to that. So the Republican-dominated Florida House on Wednesday passed a bill that would ban transgender females from playing on girls' and women's high school and college sports teams, with Democrats, of course, arguing the measure is purely political. The proposal, which is called HB 1475, would make participation in athletics contingent on determining students' biological sex a disputed term that refers to sex assigned at birth. Now, the Fairness in Women's Sports Act passed the House a 77 to 40 vote. And of course, not surprising, that was along straight party lines. The vote sets the stage for the House to try to reach agreement on the issue with the Senate, which has a bill that differs from the House measure. Now, Rep. James Bush, who's a Democrat in Miami, was the only House Democrat to vote for the measure Wednesday. Really interesting. During the floor debate, he said he supports the proposal as a way to protect female student athletes from stronger and bigger male counterparts. Well, first problem with that fucking statement is that trans women are women. So these girls yep. are identifying as girls. So they're not being threatened by stronger and bigger male counterparts. Let's just take that as an aside. And then continue under the measure, student schools. This is, this is nuts. Under the measure, student schools would have to resolve disputes by requesting that the student provide a health examination and consent form or other statements signed by the student's personal health care provider, which must verify the student's biological sex, which means genitalia ins- inspection is basically what this means. And note that it's not or. You, you, it's
0: not a, a genital inspection or a signed note from your doctor. It's and consent from your health care provider.
1: It's 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 dehumanizing on so many fucking levels. It's also really perverted. Like, these are it's high school... Traumatic. It's traumatic. These are high school girls. 14 to 18. I'm sure Matt Gates has already put his resume in for the fucking job. Because it seems like we've got a problem in Florida <sighs> when it comes to Republicans. It's, and, you know, uh, I mean... Sorry, I got angry. I know I'm an, I was an angry comedian that in that moment, angry jokes. It's it's it's
0: terrifying. That is terrifying. I, I already, as a girl, I was terrified about sports and locker rooms and shit like that. Now you're going to inspect my genitals? Yeah.
1: And the, I mean, it, it, the, the amount of problems this creates isn't just for trans youth. This is also for cis women that happen to present more masculine or. There's been plenty of cases where there's just a fucking pedophile that's a doctor, or I don't know, people like Jim Jordan, who just turn a blind eye when these athletes are getting abused. It opens up a can of worms for so much to go wrong. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Yeah,
0: I, I was absolutely this is this is pretty new breaking news and we had to put this into the into the show script kind of last minute and I've just been boiling. With anger. Yeah. Over this story. Um, now, in an exclusive from the Daily Beast, as new details emerge about Gates's role in an alleged sex ring, the Daily Beast has obtained several documents showing that the suspected ringleader of the group, Joel Greenberg, made more than 150 Venmo payments to dozens of young women and one girl who was 17 at the time. The payment from Greenberg, an accused sex trafficker now, to the 17-year-old took place June 2017. It was for three hundred dollars, and the memo said food. Now, new documents obtained by the Daily Beast, containing years of official financial transactions, establish a very clear pattern. Greenberg paid multiple young women and at least one girl hundreds and sometimes thousands of dollars on Venmo, in one transaction after another. Nearly a year after Greenberg's June twenty-seventeenth payment, Gates Venmoed Greenberg to hit up her blank using a nickname for the teen. She was eighteen. Old. Oh, she was eighteen by then. Um. Uh, But No one's verified her birthday yet, but apparently she was 18 by then, and Greenberg described that payment as being for school. It was uh, one of at least 16 Venmo payments to 12 different women listed as being for school. Typically, the payments were around 500, but also went higher than 1,000 in the transactions obtained by the Beast. Gates made only one previously unreported transaction in the newly obtained documents, a payment from the Florida congressman to the former Seminole County Tax Commissioner for $300 on November 1st, 2018, with the love hotel emoji in the memo field. I didn't even know there was a love hotel emoji (laughs) until now.
1: I, with my old eyes, I thought it was a hospital. I thought it was an H. I can't even see that.
0: Love hotel. The Daily Beast was unable to tie that transaction directly to any women, but confirmed that Greenbird booked one night for that date at the Alfond Inn, a luxury hotel in Winter Park, Florida. There are at least 16 payments in 2017, totaling nearly $5,000 to one woman who would later go on to date Matt Gates. Additionally, Greenberg paid her $1,500 over the course of two days in April 2017 using a cash app. That woman, who came to D.C. as an intern in January of 2018, has said she dated Gates during and after her senior year in college. Federal investigators seized Gates's phone in December of 2020. That's kind of a buried lead here, because now we know Gates knew he was under investigation uh, going as far back as December. And they took his ex-girlfriend's phone right after that. That's according to two people who heard the women describe the episode. Timothy Jansen, a criminal defense lawyer representing the women, says she's refusing to speak to journalists, and they declined to comment. An examination of Greenberg's Venmo transaction shows dozens of suspicious and curiously titled payments. Some were simply marked as ass or a kiss mark. Others were more opaque, such as stuff and other stuff. Three payments in the reviewed documents in the amounts of 500, 500, and 250 were designated for ice cream. Five other. And didn't somebody give Nancy Pelosi a, a bunch of shit for having fancy ice cream in her freezer?
1: Yeah, I just all of this i can't
0: i bet it i bet it didn't count but it didn't cost five hundred dollars yeah
1: no god these
0: smug sons of bitches five other payments were for salad <laughs>
1: <laughs>
0: those topped a thousand dollars one of them
1: were they at whole foods i mean it could have been a whole Foods salad bar could
0: yeah you know yeah you know, probably not. nine million dollars a pound so yeah yeah probably a different kind of salad i have a failing ugh now, in the memo field for one $500 payment to a woman on Friday, July 7th, 2017, Greenberg used only the policewoman emoji. County records showed he had used this, his government-issued taxpayer-funded American Express card to cover a weekend hotel stay <laughs> at the Four Seasons in Miami from July 7th to July 9th. And that Saturday, July 8th, right on that weekend, Gates and Greenberg each shared pictures of themselves at dinner with Roger Stone.
1: Oh, man, it all ties back to him. Everything does. Everything that sucks. There could be way more incriminating things going on with that little group after all the, you know, pill popping and everything else. Just saying. Just Yeah, saying.
0: and I also would just like to point out Roger Stone was not pardoned for sex trafficking.
1: No. No. Oh, God, I hope they all go down for this. I'm, I'm, I'm serious. And I say that Democrat, Republican, I don't care if you're involved in sex trafficking. You need to go. You need to be in prison. Ah. Agreed. Okay, let's move on a little bit to some uh, vaccine news, if you will. Pfizer CEO Albert Bourla said people will, quote, likely need a third dose of COVID-19 vaccine within 12 months of getting fully vaccinated. His comments were made public Thursday, but they were taped April 1st. So Bourla said it's possible people will need to get vaccinated against the coronavirus annually. We do a lot of these. shouldn't say a lot. There are a few vaccines we need annually, one of them, like the flu shot. Some people choose to get that. Um, This is a quote. We need to see what would be the sequence and for how often we need to do that, and that remains to be seen, he told CNBC's Bertha Coombs during an event with CVS Health. Now, a likely scenario, another quote, a likely scenario is that there will be likely a need for a third dose, somewhere between six and 12 months, and then from there, there'll be an annual revaccination. But all of that needs to be confirmed, and again, the variants will play a key role. Now, it's extremely important to suppress the pool of people that can be susceptible to the virus, he said. The comments... Came after Johnson & Johnson CEO Alex Gorsky told CNBC in February that people may need to get vaccinated against COVID nineteen annually, just like seasonal flu shots. As I said, so researchers still don't know how long protections against the virus last once someone has been fully vaccinated. This is all continuing to be a working process. We will see what happens. All I know is, as you're getting the vaccine, you are safe. Mm-hmm. And it's a much better option than getting COVID.
0: Yeah. And now, Dana, 29 colleges are going to be requiring full vaccination to, for students to return to in-person learning in the fall, which I, I love. I think it should be all colleges, um, all schools. I think they should require that and the military should require it. I think it has to be taken off emergency use authorization for the military to require it. But that is my hope. And hopefully that will be soon.
1: I agree with you. There's a large percentage that they said of the military that have chosen not to get it.
0: Yeah, 40% of the Marine Corps, I think. Unbelievable. Um, yeah, interesting. Um, which is weird, because they have to get 9 million other vaccines, then they don't want this one. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, everybody, we'll be right back with more headlines. I have a ton of news. So stay with us. After the messages, will be right back Hey, everybody, it's AG with The Daily Beans, and today's episode is brought to you by Magic Spoon. It is the most amazing thing ever. We're all trying to eat better, but healthy breakfast doesn't have to be boring. Magic Spoon is my new favorite cereal that has amazing flavors that you love, but without all the bad stuff. Magic Spoon amazingly has zero grams of sugar, 13 to 14 grams of protein, and only four net grams of carbs in each serving, and 140 calories per serving. Magic Spoon is deep breath, keto friendly, gluten free, grain free, soy free, low carb, and GMO free. And the most exciting news Magic Spoon is relaunched the blueberry flavor. One of my favorite flavors is now back in stock after being sold out. You can also build your own box. Available flavors to build your very own custom bundle are cocoa, fruity, frosted peanut butter, and cinnamon. Magic Spoon is so delicious, you won't believe it's healthy. I like mixing flavors together too, like cocoa and peanut butter taste like a peanut butter cup. Magic Spoon tastes exactly like the cereal from your childhood. I even have it as a high protein afternoon snack. While you're listening from Canada, Magic Spoon now ships there as well. So go to magicspoon.com/dailybeans to grab some blueberry or a custom bundle of cereal to try today, and be sure to use promo code DailyBeans at checkout to save five dollars off your order. This offer is now good, like I said, anywhere in the U.S. or Canada, but only when you use our code at checkout. And Magic Spoon is so confident in their product, it is backed with a one hundred percent happiness guarantee. So if you don't like it for any reason, they will refund all your money, no questions asked. Remember, get your next delicious bowl of guilt-free cereal at MagicSpoon.com/DailyBeans and use the code DailyBeans to save five dollars off. And thanks to Magic Spoon for sponsoring this episode. All right, everybody, welcome back. Uh, Newsflash, Russia was not a hoax, though most of you don't need to be told that. And everything we learned today, you also already know if you listen to Mueller, she wrote, because we reported on all of it back in 2018. But this is from The Washington Post today. From the first moments that the report on Russian interference in the 2016 election compiled by Mueller became public two years ago, it was obvious where it contained gaps. The report itself documented the places where questions were unhappily left unanswered, a function of reticence from relevant parties or of encrypted communications or at times of witnesses being unavailable for interview. In that latter group was a man named Konstantin Kalimnik. He was indicted by Mueller's team. He sat at the center of one of the most obvious places where the campaign of then-candidate Donald Trump might have intersected with Russia's efforts. To get Trump elected, Konstantin Kalimnik had worked with the Trump campaign chairman Paul Manafort for years before Manafort joined the Trump campaign, despite of or perhaps because of his sketchy connections to Russia. I say it's the latter. One of Manafort's primary clients in the years before volunteering to work for Trump uh, without pay, by the way, was a pro-Russian political party in Ukraine. Their mutual colleague Rick Gates told various people he believed Kalimnik was a spy, uh, according to Mueller's report. But that didn't keep the three of them from sharing information during the campaign, while both Gates and Manafort worked directly for Trump. On August 2nd, 2016, with Manafort running the Trump campaign and Gates serving as his deputy, the three met at a cigar club in Midtown Manhattan. We know this is the Havana, Grand Havana Club. And it was in, by the way, Kushner's Devil Building, right, 666 Fifth Avenue. Before that meeting, Manafort asked Gates to print out the campaign polling data. That's information that Manafort apparently gave to Kalimnik that evening. Mueller's report describes the meeting. They also discussed the status of the Trump campaign and Manafort's strategy for winning Democratic votes in Midwestern states. Months before that meeting, Manafort had caused internal polling data to be shared with Kalimnik, and the sharing continued for some period of time after their August meeting. At another point, the report goes into more detail about the exchange of information, saying, quote, Manafort instructed Gates, his deputy at the time, to provide Kalimnik with updates on the Trump campaign, including internal polling data. Although Manafort claims not to recall that specific instruction, Manafort expected Kalimnik to share that information with others in Ukraine and with Deripaska. Gates periodically sent such polling data to Kalimnik during the campaign. The Deripaska referred to, we know who that is, Russian oligarch Oleg Deripaska, former client of Manafort's. He even sued him a couple times, sued Manafort a couple times after a telecommunications deal gone wrong. Um, And, uh, you know, hours after that August 2nd meeting, a plane belonging to Deripaska landed in New Jersey, but his team denies any link to the meeting. This was as close as Mueller got to demonstrating a connection between Trump's campaign and the Russian effort, uh, an effort that included both a bid to influence public opinion using social media and the release of data hacked and stolen from the DNC and the DCCC and Hillary Clinton it left unanswered two questions. How close was Kalimnik to Russian intelligence and what did he do with the polling information that he received? The Mueller report acknowledged both uncertainties, writing that because of questions about Manafort's credibility and our limited ability to gather evidence on what happened to the polling data after it was sent to Kalimnik, we could not assess what Kalimnik or others did with it. Last year, one of those questions was answered. A bipartisan report from the Senate Intelligence Committee identified Kalimnik explicitly as a Russian agent It read, Kalimnik is a Russian intelligence officer. At another point, the report brushes up against that second question. Quote, the committee obtained some information suggesting Kalimnik may have been connected to the GRU's hack and leak operation targeting the election. It read, the GRU is the intelligence arm of the Russian military. Now, um, it's important to note that there's, first of all, no evidence right now that Trump knew anything about the sharing of this information or that Russia did much with the information that it obtained. We don't know. There were targeted ads from Russian actors during the campaign, but there remains no good evidence that those ads were targeted with insider information, much less well-targeted in general, nor that they had an effect. What is revealed, though, is the government's concern about the Trump campaign's links to Russia, links, by the way, that extended to other members of Trump's team, as we know, was in this case probably warranted. Manafort's presence in the campaign prompted head-scratching from the outset, given his ties to various international assholes. <laughs> he had been on the radar of federal intelligence agencies for years. It is not surprising then that this link should be demonstrated. It, took, it just took a while for the line to be drawn as clearly as it was today. Among the reasons Mueller's team couldn't draw that line clearly in the first place was Manafort misled investigators. We know that. The Biden administration on Thursday also announced tough new sanctions on Russia and formally blamed the country's premier intelligence agency for the hack on uh, government agencies and the nation's largest companies. That's the SolarWinds hack. In the broadest effort by Biden to give more teeth to financial sanctions, which in recent years have failed to deter Russian activity, the actions are aimed at choking off lending to the Russian government. In an executive order, Biden announced a series of additional steps, sanctions on 32 entities and individuals for disinformation efforts and for carrying out Moscow's interference in the 2020 presidential election. Ten Russian diplomats, most identified as intelligence operatives, were expelled from the Russian embassy in Washington. And I got to ask, why do we let these Russian diplomats that are known and identified as intelligence operatives like hang around? Why do we have to wait until Russia does something shitty to expel them? Why don't we expel them all? I don't get that. The United States also joined with European partners to impose sanctions on eight people and entities associated with Russia's occupation of Crimea. For the first time, the government squarely placed the blame on the hacking known as SolarWinds on the Kremlin, saying it was masterminded by the SVR, one of the Russian intelligence agencies that was also involved in the intrusion of the DNC and the DCCC six years ago. The finding comports with the findings of private cybersecurity companies. So that is what's going on in Russia today. I don't think these sanctions are harsh enough. Uh, I also don't know. Uh, I mean, if if Mueller was unable to prove that Manafort, in fact, handed these, this, you know, these polling data to Kalimnik and we, they didn't know what Kalimnik did with them. If, if he wasn't able to prove that, then that means that information is not covered by the Manafort pardon. I'll probably talk to Andrew Torres on Cleanup on L45 about that um, next week. So So look out for that. Uh, I do have another incredible story um, for you right after this quick break. So stay with us. We'll be right back. Hey, everybody. We here at the Daily Beans would like to thank moms for all you do. I appreciate my mama so much, and it's not easy to express such a profound relationship. I've known her my whole life, after all. I've been looking for something to show her, and I think I found the ideal thing with Pandora jewelry. Pandora has the perfect gift for the mom in your life. From their customizable charms to a huge variety of beautiful bracelets and rings and necklaces and earrings and more. I mean, they just have so much. I think mom's going to love her key and flower necklace that I got her, but don't tell her. She doesn't listen to the pot anyway, but it's a surprise. Each piece of Pandora jewelry is gorgeous, high quality. It's a perfect gift meant to last. This season, Pandora has gifts for every mom with new designs in their collection of contemporary classics. Jewelry can be customized to fit all styles and personalities. and You can curate your own luminous looks with their new Pandora Rose collection. Or check out some of their best sellers like the Princess Wishbone Ring. Express a connection that's stronger than words with symbols of love and gratitude, such as hearts, infinity symbols, angel wings, and family trees to remind us how special our moms are. Shop safely in-store with Pandora Styling Experts to find the perfect gift for any mom on your list. Buy online with in-store pickup and curbside pickup at select locations. And please contact your local store to learn more. Thank the mom in your life for always being there with a sparkling gift from Pandora Jewelry. Go to us.pandora.net slash dailybeans to start shopping or find a store near you. That's us.pandora.net slash dailybeans. All right, so uh, welcome back. A long, sort of coldish case um, has recently come up in the news again, and this is just mind boggling to me. Let me go through this timeline with you. The New York Times helps lay it out too. In the spring of 96, Kristen Smart was a 19 year old college student. She left an off campus party in San Luis Obispo, and that's in California, and walked home to her dorm. And uh, she was never seen again, and no remains have ever been found. But on April 13th, 2021, after an investigation that spanned nearly a quarter of a century, authorities announced that two California men, Paul Flores and his father, Ruben Flores, Paul is 44 and Ruben is 80, had been arrested in connection with the disappearance of Kristen Smart. That's amazing. Now, in a statement, the Smart family described a long wait for this bittersweet day. It is impossible to put into words what this day means for our family, they said. We pray it is the first step to bringing our daughter home. Uh, here's a timeline of the Smart case. The disappearance, May 25th, 1996. Smart, who was from Stockton, California, was a freshman at uh, the Polytechnic uh, State University in San Luis Obispo. On May 25th, 96, friends dropped her off at a party off campus, and she left around 2 in the morning. She was accompanied by Paul Flores, who was also a student at Cal Poly. He later told investigators that he walked her as far as, as his dorm where they parted ways. A missing persons report was filed with the campus police three days later, May 28th. The next month, the San Luis Obispo County Sheriff's Office took over from the Cal Poly police and led the investigation. And then the search for Miss Smart, who was nicknamed Roxy, took many forms. Soon after her disappearance, a sheriff's search party combed remote parts of the Cal Poly campus on horseback. Archival video shows that from KCRA-TV. Helicopters were used to canvass the area, too, and the police searched her dorm room in Muir Hall, finding her wallet and reminders to turn in assignments. Cadaver dogs were sent into Paul Flores's dorm room. Paul Flores was identified as a person of interest early in the case, 95, 96, 97. Uh, he has denied any involvement. A missing person posters and billboards offering rewards appeared along roads everywhere all over the public places and miss smart's acquaintances were interviewed. They described dropping her off at the party, an unofficial fraternity house, and said when it was over she needed to, she needed support to walk as she was being accompanied home by Paul Flores. The smart family filed a forty million dollar wrongful death lawsuit against Paul Flores in nineteen ninety seven but he was not immediately charged criminally in the case. He refused to answer questions during a deposition in November of ninety seven he claimed the Fifth Amendment. Now, the investigation went on from 2002 to 2020 uh, and is still now going on. Miss Smart's family declared her legally dead in 2002, six years after she went missing. But the search and the investigation continued. In 2004, the family looked for donations to keep billboards up along Highway 101 to maintain awareness. And then cadaver dogs that are trained to detect human decomposition were deployed by the FBI to search around the Cal Poly campus. One of those areas was a hillside above the campus. In 2016, earth movers carved into the soil, but they didn't turn up any remains. The sheriff's office investigators and forensic specialists who were assigned to this case, they executed 18 search warrants and they submitted 37 items that were collected in the early days of the case for DNA testing. They also recovered 140 new items of evidence and conducted 91 interviews from 2011 to 2020. 2011 to 2020, wow. Now... The authorities began to describe Paul Flores as a prime suspect in the case. Two trucks that belonged to members of the Flores family in 96 were taken as evidence. In February 2020, the authorities executed search warrants at all four locations in California and Washington state and recovered what the San Luis Obispo County Sheriff's Office described as items of interest. One location was the Los Angeles home of Paul Flores. In March 2021, investigators used cadaver dogs and ground-penetrating radar to search Ruben Flores's property in Arroyo Grande, California. And then Paul Flores was taken into custody at his home in the San Pedro section of Los Angeles, April 13, 2021, and was charged with murder. Ruben Flores, 80, was arrested at his home on the same day and was charged with being an accessory after the fact. The next day, Dan Dow, who is the San Luis Obispo County District Attorney, said Paul Flores caused the death of Miss Smart, quote, while in the commission of or attempted rape. And Ruben Flores helped to hide her remains. Miss Smart's family released a statement after the arrests were announced, uh, and they said, quote, we now put our faith in the justice system and move forward, comforted in the knowledge that Kristen has been held in the hearts of so many and that she has not been forgotten. We're going to continue to follow this case and any upcoming trial. Uh, I remember when this happened. I I had just gotten out of the Navy. I had just moved to California. It was 1996, 25 years ago. Absolutely incredible that this investigation went on for so long, and, and they finally have evidence. We'll keep you posted. Everybody, we'll be right back with the good news. Stick around. Hey everybody, it's AG for the beans. Let's face it, we all probably have something we should see a doctor about, but I've been putting it off. Um, Your health is too important to ignore, don't do that. If making a doctor's appointment feels like a chore, or you don't wanna hang out in crowded waiting rooms, Plush Care is here for you. They make it super easy to schedule an appointment and see a doctor, so I can prioritize my health hassle-free. Plush Care provides virtual doctor appointments through your smartphone or computer. I just pick a time that works for me and click, click, book an appointment right online. Super simple. I don't have to sit on hold forever to make an appointment or leave the house, or like I said, sit in a crowded waiting room. With Plush Care, I can be diagnosed, treated, and have prescriptions sent to my pharmacy of choice, if needed, within minutes. Plush Care accepts most major insurance, and it's available in all 50 states. And the doctors are amazing. They're here to help by discussing treatment options and providing prescriptions as needed. They're available anytime I have questions, and if you're having Difficulty managing your emotions or your stress, plush care doctors are also available to help. You can schedule an appointment today to discuss your treatment options. I found using plush care to be a very pleasant experience, it's very user friendly. It was easy to schedule an appointment that was convenient for me, and I felt immediately comfortable and confident with my doctor. To me, the most important thing is our health. So it was wonderful how simple Plush Care made it to put my health first. Plush Care makes it easier than ever to take care of yourself inside and out. Start your membership today. Go to plushcare.com slash dailybeans to start your free 30-day trial. That's P-L-U-S-H-C-A-R-E dot com slash dailybeans for a free 30-day trial. Plushcare.com slash dailybeans. Everybody, welcome back. It's time for the good news. And as I said, Amy is out today filming a movie because she's a star and a very important person. And so it's you and me, Dana, today.
1: I'm happy to be here. I love the good news. I get another day of it right in my veins. And I'm pretty sure you and I get to have court together later. Yeah?
0: Uh. Yeah. Fantastic. I think so. Fantastic. I think we do. Yeah. Woo-hoo-hoo. Dana's court. Mm-hmm. All right. I'm going to read these first two. Um uh, or should I take the first three? I'll take the first three. Got it. And here, because they're very small. Here we go. In three, two, one from Mike in Ohio. I don't have any news or confessions. I just need you to be aware of the existence of quokkas. <laughs> they're marsupials, the size of a house cat, very friendly and native to the southwest of Australia. I am very aware of quokkas, Mike. I wish I could have one. They're always very smiley and adorable. Everybody Google quokka right now. It's spelled Q-U-O-K-K-A-S. Quokkas, amazing little things. Next up, Anonymous, pronouns he and him. My dad always said, God bless America and all my grandchildren. That was his swear. Needless to say, his grandchildren have all been well-blessed. That
1: is the most (laughs) loving swear I think I've ever heard.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, that is, yeah. God bless America and all my grandchildren. Mm. And then from Kaylin, pronouns he and him. My nana was five foot nothing, but could swear like a whole aircraft carrier full of sailors. (laughs) But when she had to rein it in a little bit, like at a Little League game, she would come let the umpire know that he missed a call with a well-placed, oh, up your nose with a rubber hose. <laughs>
1: that's a good one.
0: <laughs> I love that one.
1: Oh, my God. It's fantastic. Thank you for those swears. All right. This next good news is James, pronouncing him. More good news from Cobalt. Oh, my God. I love this. Okay. That's the mini Aussie we've all fallen in love with. We just had her last oncology checkup after the surgery. Everything has come out better than expected. While nothing is guaranteed... Given the results from the histology and the checkup, the oncologist judged the chances of mes- excuse me, metastasis to be low, less than 15%. That is good. We'll be doing quarterly checkups with regular x-rays with our usual vet from now on, but we're finally done with four months of worry- over this we've discovered the lump on her leg the day before our anniversary in late january shortly before my partner was scheduled to go in for eye surgery since then we've been juggling the eye surgery and recovery cobalt surgery and recovery the new round of lockdowns and all the usual life stuff it'll be good to finally lower our active crisis count by one my goodness now of course for pod pet tax this time i've got photos of cobalt and her sister denim Oh my god, I love these pet names. Cobalt uses her favorite toy to play with a baby Denim on Denim's first day at our house. Oh god, this picture's gonna slay me, I know it. Cobalt and Denim fetching a Frisbee, and Cobalt could never jump the way Denim did, so it was usually Denim who got the Frisbees. They're both too old for this kind of jumping at this point, though. Cobalt and Denim running along Hayden Beach in Vancouver. Aww. Oh my god. This looks like a before and after picture, the first one, first of all. Oh my god. Oh. That is incredible. Oh. Oh, that's so cute.
0: Well, I'm glad. I'm glad they got it all. And um, that there's a low chance of metastases. And uh, I'm... I'm so thrilled because I went through this personally with my podcast and I can tell you, it's so hard when you're like, not just worried that your baby is under anesthesia, but then they wake up in a strange place and they're kind of drunk and (laughs) maybe scared, you know, and, and then they have to be on pain meds and they're just very confused and they can't walk. Right. It's just so it hurts your heart, but I'm glad everything is working out. Next up from Casey, no pronouns given. Hello, ladies. I'm writing from the Loire Valley in France with the excellent news that my husband and I just got our first vaccine shot this morning. Nice. I know that in the U.S., vaccines are being rolled out in large numbers, but since Biden took over, but here in France, it's been really slow. We feel really lucky. Our local pharmacy just had 10 doses this week and none next week. The best part is our very close friends were able to get an appointment today, too. A few weeks ago, I sent you paintings of my two tuxedo cats. So today I include a photo, uh, also a photo of the Loire River from the bridge in our city in Amboise. Thank you so much for your podcast. It really brightens up my mornings.
1: This next one is from Anonymous, pronouns she and her. Hello, folks. Merci beaucoup for keeping the funny flame burning through all of the mire of these past years. I expect you will be buried by curlers. Curlers eager to explain the beauty and majesty of our dear, dear chess on ice. Oh, no. People took my curler (laughs) comment as I was kidding. Okay. Uh, But I thought I should warn against using curling as a bedtime. (laughs) um, Saporific? Saporific? Soundtrack. Supperific. Supperific. Yes. Oh, my God. I'm just going to say that I'm sorry people took that seriously. I actually think this sport is incredibly cool, and I'd like to learn how to do it. Curlers scream all the time. (laughs) The yelling up and down the sheet is a crucial part of the game. It's how we communicate important information to the sweepers and to the person in the hack, the person throwing the rock. We are loud, and not jolly loud. We howl as though the fate of the world rests on the success or failure of every rock. I will allow that the sound of a 44-pound marble rock gliding across pebbled ice is a profoundly peaceful sound. But you only really hear that if you're lucky enough to have a few minutes' practice alone on the ice. Canadians fight in hockey. They scream our heads off in curling. This is why we are so nice the rest of the time. (laughs) Uh, love your pod love tmbg's theme love your listener community attached as a pic of our pandemic pooch a purebred four-year-old pug named maple who is too small to breed so she gets to be our light and joy instead oh that is a tiny tiny pug she's so perfect oh my
0: gosh i love her face
1: oh and look at the oh coat. goodness truly anonymous i That was the comedian in me. I think curling is one of the coolest sports and like I said, I actually want to learn how to do it. So, (laughs) Yeah, uh, I think the reason
0: it seems quiet is because when we're watching it in the Olympics the cameras are so far away and all you hear are like the whispering announcers. They're
1: like, they dropped the rock on the ice and it's approaching the blue rock and that's what I hear. So yeah, (laughs) just really just real calm. Uh, So It's real calming to me but I imagine it is super stressful for the people on the ice.
0: (laughs) I remember when we were on tour, we were in Chicago I think, maybe Minneapolis and and we were sharing our hotel with the international curlers association oh and so it was a hotel full of uh, curlers and podcasters it was so much fun they know how to party i can attest to that that's awesome all right beans court is in session gung gung dana and ag will be presiding as judges pro tem in the absence of amy Carrero. First up from Emily, pronouns she and her, if it pleases the court. I seek a ruling on the money laundering case described below. I just found $125 of soggy <laughs> bills in my washing machine, and I seek the court's guidance on the rightful owner of said soggy greens. For some background, I grew up in a household that enforced the rule that any person who places dirty clothes in the hamper was tasked with making sure the pockets were empty. In that instance, the pockets were not empty. The contents of said pockets then belonged to the person who processed the laundry. This rule was meant to achieve two goals, to avoid having tissues, receipts, or other forms of paper in pockets, which would tend to ruin a load of laundry, and two, reward those who processed laundry with any monies left in pockets, as it was generally the people who left the paper in the pockets who also left money in the pockets. I like that rule. Fast forward to now. I have lived with my partner for 10 years. I have processed many a load of laundry, including a mixture of his and my clothes. I have had to redo several loads because he left a stray piece of paper in a pocket. Thus, years ago, we discussed the process and procedures described above. He has argued that the precedent doesn't apply to him. Oh. Nevertheless, he has been repeatedly warned that the precedent applies to everyone in the house. To be clear with the court, I process most of the laundry and now militantly check any pockets before throwing clothes in the wash fact, finding for the case in question establishes the following points of interest. One, he started a load of laundry, including his own clothes. Two, he left the wet clothes in the washing machine overnight. Ew. Ew. Three, I found the wet clothes uh, greater than 24 hours later, still sitting in the washing machine. Four, I moved the wet clothes to the dryer and began the process of drying them. Five, I found $125 of soggy money in the washing machine at the time. Judge Amy and A.G., and all your infinite wisdom, who is the rightful owner of this money?
1: A.G., hey, would you like to uh, express your uh, sentiments uh, to the court? Oh. And I will follow you.
0: Yeah. See, here's the thing. While I say it's yours, you did the laundry. Um, or you usually mostly do the laundry. And you also explained the standard operating procedure with which you grew up uh, very clearly. However, I feel like the other party never agreed to it, as you said. Uh, He said the precedent didn't apply to him. I'm not sure if you told him that after you found the $125 or if he had previously agreed to it or when you originally told him about the standard operating procedure. Did he say he didn't want to have any part in it? Uh, That kind of of, uh, legal, you know, sort of... Precedent means, you know, if if it's not an agreed upon standard operating procedure, then I don't think that the parties are required to follow it. And if you are in a community property state, I believe, therefore, that half of it's yours and half of it's his
1: think that community property is fair. I have a question that cannot be answered in the silence of our our court right now. But I do question if he's the one who did laundry this time, if the laundry was in a basket, or if he gathered laundry and did not give other participants a chance to actually empty their pockets before that happened, since he is notoriously known to not empty the pockets of his own clothes. So it's a question of is it possible that the money was hers in the first place?
0: Mm -hmm, Yeah, I was wondering about that, too.
1: And he actually did not actually take the money out of the pocket. That being said, uh, I do think that she did more labor in this situation. Uh, He left the laundry overnight Mm. in the washing machine. She took the laundry and put it into the dryer and then went to the dryer to take it out. Yeah. So I do believe that in in that case, the money is um, a payment for her labor? Yeah. In that sense. And so I think it's payment. Um, or a fine for leaving your wet clothes in the washer 100%. for greater
0: than 24 hours. 100%.
1: Mm-hmm. So I mm-hmm. think in no in no case at this point uh, does it belong to him. Um, if, if anything, if we were to be uh, trying to be a neutral party, perhaps splitting it or using the money for something for the family, like... A nice dinner. Maybe you guys use that specific money, not knowing whose it is, mm. uh, for something for the house.
0: You could say "fuck" 125 times and put it all in a swear jar you for it. your next vacation. There you go.
1: Uh,
0: but yeah, I would say he does not get the entire 125. No,
1: no in no case in, in this court, in this yeah. specific situation, does the money solely belong to him.
0: Concur. Concur. At least half needs to go to to her. Minimum. All right. That is our ruling. And if you have anything you want to add to this case, uh, Emily, please feel free to do so. You know how to get in touch with us because you sent us this one. <laughs> so if you have any other evidence or anything like that, anyone wants to file an amicus brief on this in this case, including pets, I accept them from pets, just go ahead and send them in uh dailybeanspod.com. Click on contact. And that's also, incidentally, where you send anything you want to let us know about. Good news, confessions, corrections, what the mutt, new swears, um, whatever you want to say anything but monopoly like i said i'm probably (laughs) going to get sued for that by monopoly um (laughs) Uh, do you have anything else before we get out of here for the weekend Dana? no
1: thanks for letting me join you on a on a very rare friday and uh i'll see everyone back i'll hear everyone you'll hear me jesus i could use a weekend
0: uh on monday i'll be back (laughs) now you're about to get one so is everybody else so until monday everybody please take care of yourselves take care of each other take care of the planet and take care of your mental health i've been ag and i've been dg and them's the beans Hey, everybody, do not miss our Daily Beans after-party on the Stereo app. We'll be going live every Thursday at 5 p.m. Pacific, 8 p.m. Eastern. Dana and I want to hear from you. Our last Stereo show went a little bit like this.
2: What about you, ladies? What are your
0: favorite nonsensical songs? The most weird, bizarre, silly stuff you can think of that you've heard through music. Thank you very much for all you do.
2: Um, hope you're all well. Talk to you soon. Bye
1: Oh, my God. AGI. So I have an older gay brother. I don't know if that's relevant to the story, but I feel like it is because he had the B-52s on the record. So it was like, you know, we were into the has anybody seen a dog died dark green sunglasses and a bonnet designer jeans with (laughs) appliques on? You're like, what? (laughs) (laughs) Kiesler, right. Like, I'm like, how many drugs was that person on? Uh, Nonsensical songs. You're so much better at this than I am. So you go first, because I bet you've already thought of one and I'll try and think of one.
0: Um, my favorite nonsensical songs come from they might be giants, for example. Oh, yes, Boat of Car is really good, and then, of course, I'm going down to Cowtown. A cow's a friend to me, lives beneath the ocean. That's where I will be, beneath the waves, the waves, and that's where I will be. I'm gonna see the cow beneath the sea. Yeah, there you go. No. although were
1: they talk was he whale watching is it really that obscure <laughs> you won't answer any questions about their <laughs> lyrics I, i've asked
0: multiple times oh my uh, god the best i love i, lo- get I love them their- oh go ahead go ahead the best i can get out of them is the explanation of uh, birdhouse in your soul which we already yeah. knew right
1: right um, not to put too fine a point on it say i'm the only being your bonnet
0: yeah, it's from the a house point, point of view. view uh song from the point of view of a, a bluebird nightlight in the bathroom. Yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah, I love that song. It's one of my favorite ones.